Hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table, where life is not perfect, but God is doing important work. I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this podcast, which airs every other Tuesday and is partnered with the women's ministry of my church, Life Church. But even more than that, we're partnered with you. Our mission is simply to glorify God, champion other women and each other as we share our unique stories, and encourage, remind, and build up the global church, because we all could use a little backup. So wherever you're listening from, whatever your story is, no matter where you've been or what you've done, you're welcome here. And we're honored to lock arms with you as we attempt to dig in, peel back some layers, and remember what matters most as this redemptive love of Jesus continues to unfold and shape our world, starting with us, beginning at our very own tables. Well, real quick, I wanna remind you that The Messy Table has two seven-day Bible plans available on the free YouVersion Bible app, part one and now part two. These plans of story and scripture are written by real women who've already been on the podcast. They're short, they're free, and together we can engage in the powerful Word of God from the modern convenience of our computers and phones. Well, today's guest is a powerhouse. Sharon Hester is a mama of three, a pastor's wife, math teacher, and an advocate for others, especially those being overlooked or outcast because of racial injustice. Sharon lives out Micah 6, 8, which says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In this episode, we're talking about intentionally and proactively building bridges, crossing lines, and tearing down walls to the best of our ability. We're not claiming to be experts or perfect at this, but we're taking steps toward wrestling with the racial tension that's wounded our nation for far too long. Not only in the past, but recently. We're taking steps towards conversation and listening and leaning into the love of Christ, which is the cornerstone that unites us and the glue that holds us together. You guys, this is such an important topic we need to keep pressing into. We won't do it perfectly, but we're going there anyway. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Well, hey, girl. Hey. We've talked about recording this for a long time, and we're finally doing it. Yes. So, yay. I'm excited. Glad you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool. All right. Well, we need the scoop on Sharon Hester. So, if you would, just give us a peek into your family, your job, your passions, whatever will tell us a little bit more about you. All right. Well, Jen, thank you so much for having me here. Um, super exciting that we get to share together. Mm -hmm. And really, we're just recording our regular conversations. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I am really enjoying this is the year of me being 40. I turned 40 this year. And it's been a lot of shifts and changes. But I'm married. I'll be Married 18 years this year in July. That's awesome. And that's to my high school sweetheart. Aww. And we've been together for a very, very long time. It's like we grew up together. Mm -hmm. So we have three awesome children. And we call them the A-team. It's Andalyn. She's 13. Anthony's 11. And our name, Marie, she's 9. Sorry, I had a little pause. They just all changed birthdays. And they are all different. It's been really fun seeing my 13-year-old blossoming in her relationship with the Lord and make sense of, of her life to the best of her ability at this time. And what I love most is that she's 13, and she would even say that she's not a typical teen. 
in the sense that she's not distant from us. She's mm-hmm. not. And I really, I think that's all just a perception that you'll, you'll see. They do have hormonal changes that are going on that cause them to be unsure of themselves and be unsure of their world and second guess things they weren't second guessing before. But I love that me and her have spent time cultivating a relationship that I'm reaping the fruit of right now. And Mm. I'm just going to continue to throw footballs in that direction so that I can catch them when she's 14 and 15 and we continue to develop and and blossom. And, you know, not that we're perfect by any means at all. Sure, but I do see that in you guys. I mean, you have a genuine relationship and she's really open with you and she's awesome. Right. Yeah, I love, love, love that. So that's my 13-year-old. My 11-year-old son, super inquisitive, likes to take things apart if he can and put them back together again. He did that with Jack's remote helicopter. Right. And he actually fixed it. It was broken and he fixed it. I was so impressed. <laughs> right. So impressed. So, and that's what he does. And and so it's interesting that I, it was good for me to have you send that message and tell me that. Look at this thing that he did. This is so amazing because it is annoying. It stresses you out. <laughs> yes. And I had to learn to just release him. If it's his drone, if we spent X amount of dollars for it, more than we would for a regular toy, and he takes it apart, don't get nervous. You just hope he can put it back together. Well, and I do. I hope that he can put it back together. But at the end of the day... It's his. Right. When I give it to him, it's his. And we've trained him how to treat his items. And he's seen the consequences of not taking good care of them. So at this point, I can really just relax. And more and more, I've seen him grow and blossom in this area Mm -hmm. and explore and do things that he's surprising us. He's surprising himself that he can do. Mm, he's cool. taking parts off one drone and putting it on another drone and saying, look, mom, I can put, I took the camera off of here and made this one with a camera, which is like, he's like, you know, it's missing one little piece. So he's finding That's out amazing. things by tearing it up. Is that an engineering mind? Totally. I'm hoping that it is <laughs> be great. he he um he's always said he wants to be an engineer so we're coding computers the behind the scenes if he plays a game he is 100 percent convinced that he can figure out how they made it and so i love that his mind thinks yeah, like that because like, my mind does not think like that right at all. He, he's he's enjoying it but at the same time he finishes it and his statement is i'm gonna make a game like that or mom i'm gonna be the one that creates something even better I'm like oh my goodness just that on the inside of him to to want to say that it's it's really cool. And then my youngest Arne is a writer. Um, she loves to write, and it's and you can I can see it in the simplest way. She wrote thank you cards for all the people who sent her presents as she was healing from her uh, surgery. She got her tonsils taken out, and the thank you cards where I had tears because mm. I'm like, man, this is so. I know God healed me. He's a healer, and if you doubted him. Don't doubt him because he healed me. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. So I feel like she's going to reach people and teach people and uplift people through her writing. And she's been that way since she was really little. So I love seeing their gifts already and how God is using them, even though they've moved a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, God is using them wherever they are. So that's been cool. And definitely a journey because we've moved a couple of times. And so now we are... We are here in Oklahoma, and we've done just a little shotgun visit here. (laughs) 
just for a few months. And now we're going to be moving in just two weeks to New York, Albany, New York. So you started in Georgia. Yes, started in Georgia. I'm sorry, skip that whole part. We grew up in Georgia. We've been in Georgia um, since I was born. And so our first major move, we moved in several different cities in Georgia. And that's where we moved from to come here to Oklahoma is from Columbus and we were there for nine years. And so all of those moves have been with my husband's job and it hasn't changed. <laughs> You're still moving. We're what still brought moving. you here? Tell everybody. Well, what brought us here is um, Travis accepted an amazing position to be a part of the Life Church team. And uh, we just took a leap of faith. It was super scary to move from Georgia to Oklahoma. And I did not know what God was doing or what... <laughs> Like, no, nah, I just didn't know what he was doing. I ask doing. him that a lot. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? I know it's something, but I just need a little peek into it. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't get any of that. He just said, walk by faith and not by sight. But I'm you like, felt okay. a peace about it. And I'm so glad we got to have this season with you because yes. my life is way better. Yay. My kids, That's good too. My kids are pretty devastated that you're moving, <laughs> but yeah. it's okay. There's FaceTime. There's technology. So that right. helps. Yes, that does help. That helps a lot, actually. And I don't know if you clarified, but you're actually going to another Life Church campus in New York, yes. Albany, New York, which is pretty exciting because I think it was named the most post-Christian city in the United States. So I know you said when you were there visiting that one thing you noticed is there's no churches right, as you no. drive around. No, there aren't any, not not nearly as many as they are here, um, as this is known as the Bible Belt. So you can definitely tell a difference. In New York, we literally saw one church and we drove around for at least seven hours. It was just a little small church in a community. And so we're, we're excited about just the opportunity to be in a place where people haven't heard about God potentially. And, you know, when I thought about it younger, I was thinking you would have to go to another country to have that kind of experience, but you don't, I mean, just going there, I could see that we have so much, there's so much potential. And I just feel honored that God chose us to go. Again, it is super scary, but with this move, he's challenged me to see that I just need to move with his rhythms instead of what I think I should do. Because he's got a plan and movement is a part of it. And so growing things change. Yeah. But it's growing, hard. Right. Sometimes. Right. Really hard. And for me, and I think fear was a part, a huge part of that too, and the unknown and just wanting certain boxes checked and mm -hmm. As if it's more important to me than it is God. Mm -hmm. He just reminded me it's not. It's important to me, Sharon. It's important to me that your children are successful and that they are in good schools. It's important to me that your marriage is, keeps growing stronger. It's important to me. Your, your dreams, your passions, I haven't forgotten. Mm -hmm. You know? And so it's been a journey when I look at it and I'm like, of course. Of course, New York. Why, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so, like I was saying, was in Georgia during this whole transition. And the reason is, is because I'm a teacher. I teach virtually. And so I have to travel four times a year to be with either my other teachers face-to-face, -to, -face, to be with my team and, and train or to be with students face-to-face. -face. And so this is just a part of what we do. But I work from home. I teach eighth grade math, a gifted teacher. 
And I've been teaching math really for a very long time, but just three years virtually. And I absolutely love it. So you have a real class that you meet with every single day. It's yes. just online. Yes, it's online. It's, it's the most amazing job ever. And um, if you're a teacher out there and you want to escape the, <laughs> the classroom or just to give yourself more time with your family, it's definitely um, been a way where God can use my gift of teaching and I can pour into the lives of other students and um, transform their, their thinking with math. But be in my pajamas and have some flexibility. Yeah, right. Have that flexibility. Absolutely. And teachers, whether you're a teacher in the classroom or virtually are true heroes. So absolutely. I raise my coffee mug to you. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. I want to go back real quick to the fact that you're a math teacher. And I know that sometimes you tell me to not label myself as not being a math person, Right. (laughs) but that's just not necessarily the language that I speak. And that's okay, but it is the language that you speak. And since we've met, we just kind of jumped off the deep end into deep conversation immediately. And I love how even something like complex mathematical equations will point you to God in a way that maybe I didn't think about. And then I'm seeing God in a whole new light. Like, man, look at this finely tuned universe and this creator God who does things in a way that makes sense of the world instead of you know, if this was an accident, there'd be a lot more chaos instead of what we would expect if there was a brilliant creator God behind the scenes. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about some things that you think of with your mathematical brain that maybe I don't think about and other people don't always think about. Well, that's, oh man, that's so many things, Jan. Just with me teaching, really, uh, he does speak to me through numbers and through nature and through science. And, I, you know, and I just really feel like God knows how to connect with every individual. And I'm so grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really am. But when I'm teaching, so many things come to life and he just ministers. I think even through the students, I can tell because there's growth happening. And if there's growth in life happening, I feel like that's him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just moving through me, like giving me the best words to explain it so that they can open their minds to it, not get it open their minds to it. That's really the first step. And so I think one of my favorite mysteries that has come across my path with math is the golden ratio. And I'm not sure if you heard of the golden ratio, but it plays out all through nature. It's different than the golden rule. Right. (laughs) It is different from the golden rule. But the golden ratio is a number that is irrational. So it doesn't have an end and it doesn't repeat. That's what irrational is. It's known as the most irrational number. So If it's rational, that means it can change into a fraction. If it's irrational, that means it cannot change into a fraction. Okay, got it. So this number, the golden ratio, is supposed to be the most irrational number because it's the closest to never being a fraction. Mm -hmm. That right there, I love that he gave us something that we can define but that we still don't know it and can't capture it in its totality. Like Mm -hmm. we can't put our hands or put parentheses around the number and contain it. Mm. That's God. Mm. Like you, you can learn, you can see the first few steps, but you don't know the number. So it's kind of like infinity, kind of? It is. Well, it's going to repeat. It's going to repeat into infinity, but the golden ratio, it Mm. is a specific number. 
and I won't get into the logistics of it. If you, you can look up golden ratio, you'll be amazed at how much it comes up, even in our facial features, the how far apart our eyes are from our nose, from our mouth, and um, the difference between your eyebrows and your forehead. All of that is perfectly aligned. And artists know this. Mm -hmm. Artists, architects, painters, I think even graphic designers. Mm -hmm. So I love that. <laughs> It's so intentional. It goes back to your point. It's so intentional that it couldn't have been happenstance. Mm. And so I love how it just points back to who God is as a creator. And same thing with, you know, science. There's so much that has changed about science and continues to change about science. And it's because he's the creator. Mm. And so we're just discovering and uncovering just, what he's already put there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you discover and uncover different parts of what he's created, you would have to look at it and say, this just didn't happen by chance. Mm -hmm. It was perfectly designed because if, if it's a degree off, if the earth is tilted just one degree more, mm -hmm. the changes that would happen on the atmosphere and that we would, yeah, life we would experience. Yeah. Right. So all of that fascinates me. Mm -hmm. Me too. About sure. him. And now I like science as long as I can stay away from like chemistry. That's fine. Then I'm good with science. <laughs> you know, I'm just learning more and more about him through my own strengths. And I think, again, God does speak to you through your strengths and your weaknesses. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's just one way that as I'm going about my regular life, it's my path being a teacher, he's teaching me mm -hmm. while I'm teaching. And so, and he pursues our hearts in such personal, intentional and unique ways. Right. I just love that. Right. Absolutely. I'll tell you one other story that was amazing to me when one of my students, uh, for any listeners that know anything about integers, it's like your bank account. If you have money in the bank, that's a positive. If you don't, that's a negative. <laughs> and if you continue to spend money that you don't have, that's a huge negative, right? That's going to be debt. And so I teach it with that in mind. I teach it so that they can understand it and make it applicable to real life. Like, how can I use integers? What does this even mean? So I talk about money. So one student, when they finally got a very hard concept is when you have a positive number and you subtract a negative number, not to make it so technical, but that's just like you had $5 and you have a negative three there. You owe someone. Mm -hmm. You you owe someone three dollars, but you have you have five dollars, and so you get ready to go pay. You're in that debt. Person. Yes, isn't good, <laughs> right? And you are getting ready to go pay that person three dollars. And when you get ready to go pay them three dollars, they say, you know, no, don't pay me the three dollars. So now instead of just the five dollars that you have, you also have the additional three dollars, which will make it positive. And so when a student finally got that and repeated it back to me in his own words. He was like, oh, so it's like you owe someone, but then they take away your debt. And I'm like, oh, that gave me chills. Because again, I'm thinking about God. We owe so much. And I mean, literally in that moment, I start crying. They know why I was crying, but I'm like, man, you're preaching. Like you're preaching in the right classroom, now. you're mm -hmm. preaching right now. It's like, that's life-changing that you can owe so much and he just takes away your debt hmm. and that's positive. That's a positive thing. So that's what I, I just love. Like I said, it's I didn't know math could be so meaningful. Right. And they didn't either. A lot of people, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't, it is important how you encounter it so that you can fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. So I hope you have more encounters. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
All right. Well, I kind of want to shift gears. What's an area of your life that has been particularly messy or even ugly at times? And in what way have you experienced kind of that tough stuff yet you've seen God still working through it? I know it's a big question. Yes, that is a big question. Um, I will have to say the one thing that comes to surface a lot is um, racial tension. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced racism my children have experienced racism and possibly even you have, you know, not know it in some ways, but I feel like overall just experiencing that for myself and for my children, even my husband is extremely hurtful. And when you're going through it or you've already experienced it, and then it's kind of tricky. It's like a slippery slope. Sometimes you can't even say that's what it is because the people that are causing the injury are saying, I'm not doing that to you. Maybe they don't even. Well, I don't know if it's that they don't know it or if they don't want to admit that mm. that's what it is. Because when you say racism, that's a hard people. Nobody wants to be a racist. Right. Yet. Right. There's a lot of either habits or ill feelings. That are there. Are there. And it has the name. Mm-hmm but they don't want to say that that's what it is. Mm. And so that's kind of what, and that's okay too, but let's talk about that there is something. And so for us, it's been extremely messy when we come up against it and maneuvering through it with God's grace has been, it's it's just been tough. Um, And I would say even sometimes I've gone in and out of, as I see things around me, and like I said, our own personal experiences, just dealing with the raw emotion of anger mm-hmm. about it because I I think to myself, why? Why is this even, why do we have to experience, especially with my children, experience it? It brings out a different level of you as a mom, you know, and as a parent oh, yeah. because you want to protect your children. And um, I've learned that all three of them have experienced something different a little part of their story, even moving here to Oklahoma, you know, shortly after we got here, it was just something we didn't expect. Um, something my oldest had to work through and the way that we view it is uh, people just aren't aware. And so when you look at what Jesus did, all the guys hard, it's hard to do. I'm not saying that this is simple to do, but when we look at what Jesus did on the cross and they were you know, one thief on the one side was saying, you know, you're guy, you could just make all of this disappear. You can change this right now. You can get rescued right now mm-hmm. off of the cross. And, and he's looking at the people mocking him and all of that. He's instead says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's how we explain it to our children is that they're not fully aware of what they're doing because it is in, in our minds, and we've explained it to them, that we're one body in Christ. We're, we're all the body, you know, whether Every people, single color. Right, every single color, whether people acknowledge that or not. We're all the body of Christ. And if we cut off our arm or cut off our toe intentionally, I don't know somebody that's, al- you know, alive that would just do that and bring mm-hmm. that harm. Yeah. And so that's how we explain it to our children is that they just don't know what they're doing. They really don't know that they're hurting themselves by not liking somebody or by not including someone because of the color of their skin. It's like you're hurting yourself. From where I stand, and again, a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not racist. And so I've really tried to confront, is there anything in my heart that needs to be shut down? Because Mm -hmm. as we've talked about, it's not just bad manners. It's sin. We need to call it what it is. It is 
sin to favor someone over another, especially in regards to, you know, their skin color. And it's a beautiful thing that we need to embrace, you know, Mm -hmm. that someone has red hair and someone has brown skin and someone has blue eyes and black eyes. And it's a beautiful thing that God created that people carry the Imago Dei, the image and likeness of God. And if we say it's only secluded to one type of people, that's just wrong because there's only one race, the human race. Sometimes on a form or questionnaire, you might have to fill out. It might ask you race. And really, that's just not true. It's ethnicity or all that to say, go back to um, what are some experiences that you've had that we can kind of get in your shoes a little bit and understand some things that you've had to deal with Mm -hmm. that maybe some of us haven't had to deal with. Okay, I will go to one particular memory that just uh, just kind of comes up first. I would say it was in high school, and um, this is a relationship that I was in. I was in an interracial relationship, and it changed the atmosphere of the school. There were people that started writing nigger lover on his locker, on his car, toilet papering his house, which that's a thing, you know, that teens do too, but but not um, usually in the name of racism. Right. And um, for me, just getting called to the office for appeared to me for made up things because I was a very studious student. I love to please. And I, again, sometimes when you're experiencing this, you don't know if it's in your head or if these things are really happening to you. So I extend grace first, or I would say I'm a little naive initially until it's just like right there. It's just really obvious. And so another time I had a friend and uh, we were really just friends and taking, um, we were walking and then we ended up sitting down on a bench and I was sitting there with Caucasian guy. And then this African-American guy comes over and it says, sister, you can do so much better than this. And that hurt my heart because it hurts the person's feelings. Mm. It's awkward because we're not dating. We're just friends. And and they didn't know him. Right. And sister, you could do so much better. So I was ashamed that um, I've seen it on both hands. And yeah. even in my own house, as I was dating the one young man that we were talking about earlier, my family were, they, they were not pleased, not hardly any of them, especially my parents, grandparents. And it was very difficult. Uh, My dad just put his foot down and was like, no, you will not. And it was all because he was Caucasian, not because of anything else. Mm -hmm. And that just was hurtful, you know, from a a family member. I'm like, you don't even have a real why. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that's been so damaging, even for my children, um, one story with my youngest prior to us leaving Georgia. Um, this a few mi- weekends before the move. They were just playing at Burger King and another little boy comes up and they were playing fine. They were playing um, hide and go seat in the tubes. And a little boy came up and they'd been playing for a little while. But this little boy, after a little while, came up and put his arm up against my daughter's arm and said, I'm sorry, I can't play with you anymore. My Mima said that I cannot play with you. So he's saying who said it. Mm. And, and and it's because I don't look like you or you don't look like me and we don't have the same color. You're brown and I'm white and I can't play with you. And he's crying as he's saying that because he's saying I can't so go he run. Wanted to keep he wanted yeah. to keep playing. Yeah. And he was only about five or six years old. So 
inside of me again. I'm like, why? And Andalyn, my oldest, it was so confused. She was like, you mean to tell me, mom, there are adults still alive to this day that are teaching their children to do this? And that was so shocking to her to experience it firsthand. She'd heard of it, but just to experience it firsthand. And for me to walk them through that was just extremely painful. What was a happy moment just playing turned into a really dark moment, yeah. like instantly. And so Naive. I felt uncomfortable trying to have the conversation gracefully without losing your mind. <laughs> Right, right. We'll go with that. Losing my mind. I was going to say something else, but yes. So, you know, just situations like that where I didn't expect for my children to be singled out or overlooked or pushed to the side mm -hmm. or... So before that, when you were growing up, did you feel like there was racial tension in your community? I didn't because I was in a predominantly African-American community. Mm -hmm. Here is when the tension started is when we moved, they redid the school zones. And in middle school, right in between, I went to one middle school that was predominantly African-American as a seventh grader. And then as an eighth grader, I went to a school that was predominantly Caucasian. And they were intentionally rezoning my community to make that school more diverse. So I applaud this city to this day for doing that mm -hmm. because they continue to redraw those lines. Even to this day, they will redraw the lines to make the school diverse. And I love that. I hated it as a middle schooler mm -hmm. because I was used to the people that I grew up with to being not only African-American in a class. Like that was night and day difference from what I experienced. And so again, I experienced things in middle school that I just thought, man, you know, comments like, why did they bring you all here? Why did they bus you all here? Comments that my mom heard as a child. Mm -hmm. So it was just hard, you know, hard to hear because it's like, I don't, I didn't want to do this either. And I feel like when I go back that God was doing all of that for me and it was a part of my story because it's been a common thread throughout and so from that um, we've intentionally had friends that don't look like us we mm -hmm. intentionally go places uh, where we may be the minority just so that we can learn more about other people and their cultures and what they believe and um, how they parent even it's different when you're with the same people all the time. You know, what good is a fruit salad if you just have strawberries in it? That's not a, <laughs> it's not a fruit salad. You just have strawberries. That's all you have. So, and so we've intentionally tried to go and find people that don't look like us. And I've prayed and asked God for friends. And I mean, true friends, not just people that I talk to at work because it's different. Not just people that I go to church with even because just because I go to church with you doesn't mean I really know you, yeah. but people that I'm doing life with, I want that to be a really diverse experience for me and my children. I think it's really, really important. Um, I think God made it colorful for a reason. So I want to fully embrace that. Yeah. So I feel like there are, there's a mix of all kinds of people in our yeah. country, especially, but there's people who might say there's not a problem. There's people that say we have a massive problem. There's kind of a mix, right? And I remember really struggling with this idea of wanting my kids to know 
but not wanting them to know, right? Right, right? So like when my kids were babies and, you know, we have several friends that are different colors than we are. And I loved that it was just normal. Yeah. And then I remember when Hallie was, it was a couple of years ago, the first year that they studied Black History Month in school. And I remember she came home, she got in the car and was almost in tears and said, Mom, do you know? And it broke my heart because I didn't want her to know, but I knew at the appropriate age, she would have to. And of course, it's good to engage in that conversation. And this is part of U.S. history that was dark and not good, yeah. and we can learn from it and then be better because of it right. or move move away from that. But then I also hated that she had to know that. Does right. that make sense? Like right. almost putting a stereotype in her mind that wasn't there before. Right. And that kind of broke my heart. Right. And so how do you wrestle through that tension? Looking at a white woman, how would you tell me this is something that I see as a brown woman, as you call it, would be important for you? Like, I hope you're teaching your kids this or I hope you're engaging with your kids in that way. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yes, it makes good sense. Um, I would say I I definitely hope that you introduce just introduce it, it as early as ugly as it is. When you introduce it, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to go to they were getting beaten and they were, you know, held captive. It can be as simple as Ruby Bridges Hall, who was a part of integrating a school that didn't want to be integrated. They wanted to be segregated and what she had to endure. Mm -hmm. And then a discussion can develop from just seeing her look at the movie, watch her walk in and being talked about. Okay, so why are the people mad? Why are they mad? Well, they don't like our skin color. Why don't they like their skin color? And then you can just start dialoguing about that and then get into where that all came from Mm. and kind of back your way to it. That's one of the things that we did. We third grade started talking about things in a deeper way in terms of our history. And I had to add a lot because unfortunately, a lot of information is not widely known and not put inside of history books that are for schools because it's dark, it is ugly. And it's something that's kind of brushed over. Uh, And by the time you get into the older grades, fifth grade, and they started talking about the Civil War and and things like that, that's when it gets really, you want them to know something before then. That's just, it gets a little bit more devastating. And And so I guess just as, they get a little bit older age yeah. appropriately because, you know, our, it is. when Hallie was really little, the only thing we ever said is that it's beautiful that God right. made different hair colors and eye colors and skin right. colors. And that's what I wanted them to know. And that's mm-hmm. what I would love for them to still know. I would love to just erase the past and sing Kumbaya, but you just can't do that because right. that's not reality. Right. This is something that we need to learn from because racial tensions have been an issue for thousands of years. Right. In all kinds of ways. Yes. In all kinds of ways. And I think that we're human beings, we want to gravitate to people and environments that make us feel comfortable. And so I think for, I know for my children, they had dolls of different skin colors Mm -hmm. that they played with, you know, for my son, of course, he, he, it just, we just had to be really intentional. That's the only thing I could say. They had to see 
us relate to other people and be around their children and have friends and see the difference in the hair and talk about the difference in the hair and talk about that theirs is beautiful, yours is beautiful. And you have to take care of it differently. And, and you do have to take care of it differently, but you also, it starts really early with comparing and, you know, I want mine to be straight today. I'm like, well... <laughs> We're not going to get straight today. We're right. going to have curly and ponytails. And Part of that's being a woman, right? right? Like we want, if we have straight hair, we want curly hair. And if we have curly hair, we want it's straight true. hair. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's other things too. But I just think if we can be an intentional about introducing it in whatever way, I feel like if at least if you're praying about it or thinking about it. Yeah. And some people I feel like, you know, friends that I've had in the past, they have the luxury of not thinking about it. And so they don't do anything about it. And that's what I don't want. Yeah. And I, but I mean, but people do because you don't, you're not, if you live in a community like we live in, you can literally just not see what other people go through and what yeah. other people have to face. Mm -hmm. And what I found is we live in the community, but we still feel it. It doesn't matter for me where we go because my skin doesn't change. Do you feel both sides though? Do you also feel... Like there are lots of people who they're not going there. Oh yeah. So absolutely. I feel like there are lots of people that are doing well. I have some friends that have even adopted African-American children and they're finding their way to make them feel comfortable, loved, and creating a diverse experience for them. Their children that they birth and then their children that they chose to love and chose to accept. But they realize that they have to they can't just do it the way that they would have normally you done it. They can't just though. ignore it. Right. They can't just ignore it. And so with so much going on in our country right now, I think you just can't ignore it. You know, you just can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. And so we just choose to we just choose to talk about there are positive things. Even looking back into slavery, there were Caucasian men and women that helped to make the Underground Railroad what it was. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't have come through and so many remarkable things happen without some abolitionists that didn't look like us, mm -hmm. you know? So to me, that was all a part of God's redemption and a part of his story. And when I look at our history in particular, I just see a redeeming hand of God in a place where, no, I didn't see the white only water fountain and the colored water fountain like my mom saw. So I'm seeing things change and I love that because I'm seeing, you know, change. And But at the same time, I just think when we ignore sin of any kind as if it doesn't exist or one that we don't want to talk about, it can get really ugly. Mm -hmm. And it's like what you said in the very beginning. It is sin. It is sin to put yourself aside or think more highly of yourself than you should. It's, it's scripture. Yeah. We all need to, just like with any other sin that's a struggle, we need right. to recognize it in ourselves. We need right. to call it out. We need to refuse to let it stick around. Absolutely. And that's really the basic confession and repentance. Absolutely. And that goes with any sin. Any sin. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I know. We, so this one's no different. Yeah, yeah. I know, you know, bullying in general is kind of rampant in America. And so just as humans, it can be our nature to try to elevate ourselves above others and find things that make us stand apart and make that seem better. Right. And that's just not right. Right. Um, there's a verse in Revelation 7. It's nine through 10. And it just gives us a beautiful picture of what God's people will look like standing uh -huh. together at the end of time. I know you love this too, but it says, 
After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And it's just such a beautiful picture of what was intended from the beginning and what will be in the end. Right. But it's like right now, man, how can we help close the gap and bridge some of those bad tensions that are yes. there? Yes. What are some ways do you think that we, as in not to stereotype myself, but I'm just, that's all I can do is control myself. But right. me as a white female or whoever's listening that might want to bridge those gaps. And we know, as we talked about, that's not just between black and white. There's no. all types of different right. ethnicities and people who might feel they could be categorized as a minority. Mm-hmm. How do we begin to bridge that gap? How do we begin to step into it and move the ball forward even more? Right. Definitely just take a look at your contacts and your cell phones. Very simple. Like are most of those people of the same race or the same ethnicity and take an honest look. And then from there, just ask God to send you people that don't look like you and people that don't think like you on a team, any type of effective team. You don't want everybody with the same skill. I mean, on a basketball team, I don't need five point guards. Mm -hmm. I need one. Yeah. And then I need a forward and then I need, you know, a shooting guard. I don't, I don't need five of the same kind. And so if you can intentionally pray for God to add some diversity to your team, what your, your group of friends, the people that you hang out with, the people that you trust and that you love and that you want to do life with, just ask God to bring you some people that don't think like you and don't look like you. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. It's, it's awesome to embrace that. And iron sharpens iron. And so it's, it's nothing to be scared of. And I'm talking about Native American, Indian. They can be of a different faith. You and I have even talked about yes. that. Well, how awesome I've been would praying be? for a Jewish or Muslim friend. So if you're out there and listening, let's go to coffee. <laughs> That's not awkward, right? Right. <laughs> but I mean, just asking God to show you a window or a door and it may not be what you think it is so you shouldn't have anything in your mind just be open to whoever God brings you I mean, what if they're handicapped what if they are that one person you're most scared of and he brings them or brings her your way just to show you that what you had in your mind is not real mm-hmm. I would say if you want to be stretched and grow spiritually it's nothing like you know growing with somebody that doesn't look like you and doesn't talk or think like you. I think mm-hmm. the greatest businessmen and women of the world, entrepreneurs, they do that. Mm-hmm. They widen their circle and they find they strategically look for people who can make them better. Mm-hmm. And um, to think that only people that look like you can make you better is such a huge misconception. I think that we pattern ourselves after so anyway, that's that would be one small way to start. Mm-hmm. Just a person at the grocery store, or, you know, complimenting somebody that doesn't look. Just look, look mm-hmm. for opportunities. I know I had a friend who told me, Sharon, I'm doing that. I know it's small, but I saw this lady and I just wanted to make eye contact with her. She was like, just from our conversation. And I just told her, I love your shirt. And she said, just to see her smile and connect with my smile. I feel like I'm moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I love that because she said, I wouldn't have done that if we had not had that conversation. Not like in the past she was being mean. Right. But it's just, she didn't walk around with 
looking for opportunities to connect with somebody of another race. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And sometimes it requires action. Sometimes it's, let's go to coffee. Let's have dinner. I want to actually talk about this. Right. Right. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. There sometimes it hard, feels awkward. Yeah. Hard, uncomfortable conversations. Let's talk about how you see it. Let's talk about how I see it and really not try to change a person mm-hmm. or get them to believe what you believe, but just to share and understand each other. Mm-hmm. I think if there's just more understanding, there can definitely be more peace. Right. We all have to listen to each other's stories. Absolutely. And hear where they're coming from. And it broadens our horizons, our perspective. It, Absolutely. It gives us more empathy, more compassion. Right. Yeah, so. because it's, you know, as one of the quotes that Martin Luther King has and has said is just that basically I'm paraphrasing if if you're hurting if one of us is hurting then we're all hurting Mm -hmm. if one of us is in poverty we're all in poverty unfortunately we don't look at it that way but Jesus is talking about the least of these you know he wants to know that you're going to be my hands and feet no matter and you don't have a limit to that yeah like if you're limiting well, God, I'm going to be your hands and feet, but over here yeah. where it's safe. Right. And that we'll all not just draw lines in the sand, but that we'll cross those lines. Cross the lines. And I'll be honest, yeah. like there's a part of me that I like safe and comfortable. Right. But yet I know that we're called to more. Right. And I don't want just safe and comfortable either. Right. You know? Right. Well, it's the same for me. You know, I want safe and comfortable and we're going to New York and there's a stereotype of people in New York. <laughs> we heard it. We heard it. Northeasterns. Right. And I heard it right away as soon as we got there. People are different here. I just want to let you know people are different here than they are in the South. And I told my children, we're not going to go with that. We're not taking that with us. I'm saying no thank you to that piece of (laughs) advice. I want to go and be open. Yeah. I want all people. I want to believe that however they are, love speaks all languages. Mm -hmm. And if we just speak that and if we just do that, that crosses every single line that anybody could draw in the sand, any wall that anybody could put up. It's love can penetrate that and move through that. And that's how he said that they'll know him is by how we love each other. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's important if we're not loving well that we check that. I would just like to challenge any listener if you've been hurt by someone of an opposite ethnicity they don't look like you and it was extremely hurtful give it another shot give it another try because we're dealing with people especially if you're a believer you want to make sure that you're not limiting god you're not limiting your own blessings that you're not cutting your own arm off in an attempt to to live this life and just kind of cocoon yourself um, and do what's comfortable because he does call us to do his will And I'm sure the disciples, when they were venturing out, they were confused. Like, hey, we're getting ready to offer this to the Gentiles now. Sure, it was uncomfortable. Right. But whatever he had to do to get them to understand, no, this is me. I'm saying that this is offered to everyone. That is what he asked them to do. And ultimately, if they wanted to make sure that they were being pleasing to Jesus and what he left them to do, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. And that's how the gospel has been spread. Trust God in that process and pray about it. And I I believe that exponentially you'll be better Mm -hmm. just by doing, I just am crazy enough to believe that you'll be so much richer. So much richer. 
so much if richer we'll if, you, those, if those we'll lines. cross those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of that verse in Galatians that said, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, as you're talking yes. about that slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And one. it's not that there's not still distinctions, right? but it's that really the most important thing is that we're one in Christ. right? right. And that's really all that matters. And yes. then we can embrace that beauty and diversity and... Man, it's just such an important topic. Having friends uh, that don't look like us and asking those questions. I know I have a few friends, you're one of them, Mm -hmm. that I say, if I say something stupid that's racist and I don't realize it, please like hit me upside the head and tell me, you know, because it's not my intention or my heart, but it, it still could come out. I don't know. Absolutely. And so, you know, even just engaging in those conversations and I, I could continue to do a better job, but to where we're just talking about it. Right, right. We're starting somewhere. And I know a lot of people are afraid to start somewhere because they don't want to mess up or they don't want to look like an idiot or say something dumb or, and then there are probably people who, you know, genuinely are hateful and racist, but that's Mm -hmm. another issue. Right. But for those of us who truly want to engage and cross bridges. And I think there's more people that want to do that Mm -hmm. and that maybe just not know how, Mm -hmm. but a conversation is a perfect way to start. And just saying, Hey, I'd love to do coffee with you. Yeah. I'd love to have lunch with you. I'll pay for it. Or can we go to Panera? I just want to talk to you. And I I think God will do that. You Mm -hmm. know, as soon as I got here, a young man asked Travis some questions and had a girlfriend and immediately they kind of just attached themselves to us. I believe God assigned them to us. And I've been working on that relationship and helping her to the best of my ability since we've been here. I mean, like week two, mm-hmm. I'm like, really, God, already, I'm already mentoring. And so <laughs> it was amazing because she just wants to share and wants to talk. And she's Caucasian. He's Dominican. And so they have that difference there within their relationship. It's so interesting to hear the dynamics and the racist things that can come up um, in their conversations. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm like, man, it's so powerful in a relationship. So how do you maneuver through that? Helping, you know, her to maneuver through that. And I'm just so grateful because I'm like, man, God, you trusted me with her as soon as I got here. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity because she just wanted to connect and continue to reach out. And so we have, we've done lunch, we've texted a whole lot. And I'm grateful, like I said, that God brought her my way. And so I know he will do it. Yeah. It's if you're open. Yeah. But then what I love is that she probably learned a lot, but you probably did too. Yes. We all learn when we engage in these conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listening to another person. God just uses all of it, I believe. Listening is just important. So if we can just do more listening. More listening. (laughs) More listening. He said to be quick to listen. Slow slow to to speak. speak. (laughs) Girl, come on. (laughs) Just duct tape my mouth. Right. And just listen, heart open, heart big, and just listening. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want that? Mm-hmm. And even in some cases, if a disagreement comes up, that's okay. I think oh, we yeah. need to be able to have conversations where we don't agree on everything, but mm-hmm. we can still in love sit there as human beings who respect one another right. and talk about it. Oh, yeah. Without blowing up and leaving the room. Absolutely. And hating each other on right. Facebook. And that's <laughs> happened. I've had, you know, a conversation with a young lady I'm still close to. And she said something that I was like, Woo. 
it hit me and I couldn't take it personal because she's speaking from a particular pain mm. that was her pain and people will speak out of their pain. And if Absolutely. you, if you just agree that you're going to listen up front and if I speak out of my pain, please don't take it personal. I mean, you may have to have those discussions. Yeah. And then if the conversation just happens and you don't have those discussions, if you can just think a person is speaking out of their pain, my mom will say things it's mm. out of her pain. It's out of her own experience. The way that my dad said to me, no, I don't want you dating him was out of his pain. Mm -hmm. Everybody's, if they're speaking from their pain, if you just listen, there could be so much healing that can come out of just a person having a place to listen, say something hard, say something that might sound, if somebody just heard you passing by, it might sound rude. It might sound ratchet it might sound yeah. like it's something that shouldn't be said but if you can say it in that safe place and we we all need more of that i think if it was more of that and less of doing it on social media we probably would be getting somewhere right. yeah <laughs> you know yeah and but, you know i think you've even said some things to me in love just really gently like oh well that was probably because you weren't exposed to this right and you're right right <laughs> It's good. It's good for me. Like, you're right. I didn't have that experience, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter or that it's not important right. to go there and to dialogue there and to hear that experience that was different from mine. Right. So, And to not be scared of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying, you're kind of fearful with your children hearing it, but we got to, you know, they've got to. They've got to know. They've got to know because... Yeah. Things aren't changing. Yeah. And to not repeat the cycle because that's not, what happens when there's not education. Yeah. Definitely something that we need to keep addressing. Right. Keep. Just not ignore it as believers. That's all I'm saying. Yep. I mean, within our doors, we come in and we love each other and we're excited about what we're doing, but their people are hurting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's all. We can't turn a blind eye to the people hurting in the world. And that includes a variety of things. Absolutely. But, but this one is, is definitely one of, a part of it. Right. Yeah. Right. So oh. I just want to say one more thing, which yeah. I thought was kind of interesting. So I was at my parents' house yes. the other day and there was the April edition of National Geographic. And I wish that you guys could see it right now, but you should Google it and look it up. But on the front cover, there are fraternal twin girls who, how old would you say they are? Like 11, 12? Yeah, they kind of look 11. They're adorable. Yeah. But dad is black, mom is white, and they look black and white. The twins. The twins. One yes. looks Caucasian, one looks African-American. Yes. But they came from the same womb at the same time. And I just thought, man, what a beautiful representation and reminder that we all come from one God. Yes. And, you know, we all come from Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman. From the beginning. And we're not as different as sometimes we think. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's really beautiful. They're 11. Their names are Marcia and Millie. They're and, so cute. And they are super cute. And yeah, I mean, you can kind of see some similarities, but there's definitely, you know, some differences there in the way they look. You guys should definitely look it up. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that God gave us that as a reminder, too, that, mm -hmm. like you said, we come from one start. All right. Well, we're starting to run out of time. So what are some resources, whether that's books, blogs, podcasts, sermons? What's something that you love yourself and you want to recommend to other people? One speaker that I really love, um, that's her voice is amazing. It's, it's different. We're talking about diversity here. So Terry Seville Foy is amazing. Um, I love her podcast and 
she's just talking about dreaming and kind of like you just staying open to your dreams and your desires and how you can make some of those things happen. Like I said, really love her podcast. I would say um, the one book that I'm if you're interested in the math and science side of things, Finding God in the Waves. It's a really good book. And those are just, you know, just kind of two things that's on my heart, just, you that's know, kind of based on yeah. what we talked about. Awesome. I love it. Well, do you have a final word of advice or encouragement that you just want to leave us with today? Yeah, I would say definitely let's all open ourselves up to moving with God's rhythms. And so as we see things around us, something's happening in the earth in the atmosphere if there's pain and you can see pain happening that's a rhythm and so it just might mean that huh let me pay attention to that a little bit more and it's a rhythm that god is i think god is is in charge of so don't be afraid to follow god's rhythms and move Mm -hmm. with his rhythms i think that'll open us up to a lot of diverse opportunities and and people Mm -hmm. that's good Hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for sharing some of your heart, some of your story. Well, I appreciate it. This has been so good and refreshing. I am thankful for you and thankful that I've gotten to know you over the past however many months we decided it's been. And um, just for the ways that you've opened up my mind as well. So thank you. Thank you. It's definitely been iron sharpens iron. So it's been just as much of a blessing for me and my family. So we thank you. Well, the saying is true. The tie that binds us is greater than anything that could divide us. You guys, I know this is much messier and much more complex and goes way deeper than we can dive into in one short podcast. But for those of us who are Christians, who believe and follow Christ, our call is to continuously come and die to ourselves so that He can resurrect new life in us and in others. Part of that is laying down cultural norms and personal preferences at His feet, realizing We're not the solution, but Jesus is. Jesus is the only solution and the only way for salvation for the Jew and Gentile, male, female, rich, poor, black, white, and everything in between. We've all been infected with this sin, but Jesus is the one antidote. So when we ask ourselves, will we ever get out of this mess? How do we keep making progress when there seems to be continual setbacks? The answer is Christ, and the answer will always be Christ. And if we allow it, His love will continue to rewrite history. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And living requires action. So I'm going to challenge myself and you. What action can we take this week? How can we open our eyes a little wider? Who can we talk to? How can we begin to listen and mourn with those who mourn and follow Sharon's footsteps in acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God? It's important and it really, really matters. All right, well, if you're new here, there are more conversations going on at this table. Last episode, we celebrated the beautiful craziness that is motherhood for Mother's Day as Lainey Travis shared about facing one of her greatest enemies, fear. And next episode in two weeks, we're going to have a very special guest, something a little different as we celebrate Father's Day and the men in our lives. So if you're not subscribed, you should be. It's free, it's easy. All you have to do is push one button wherever you subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can also join my email list at jenjewel.com and be the first to know when a new episode is live and follow the Messy Table podcast on Instagram and start the Messy Table Bible Plan on your Bible app. 
Well, that's it for today. As always, I'm grateful to share this messy, ordinary space with you, and I hope you have a great week.